Many of you know I've got three brothers. Um, I'm the oldest of four boys. And so my mom, as you might have guessed, is struggling with uh, PTSD from, from raising four boys. We, we, we were crazy. Um, it, was, it was a bloody mess. Like we were constantly in fights and constantly getting hurt. And, and it was rough. It was rough on, on, on my mom. But, but I've got three brothers. And my second brother, his name is Travis. So I'm number one. He's number two. So number two is Travis. And when Travis was younger, he was crazy. I mean, crazy, constantly running around. He would never stop talking, never stop moving. I mean, always going a hundred miles an hour at dinner. We would just all be entertained by him because he would never stop talking. We just all kind of watched him. It was the Travis show. We just listened to him never stop talking. He never stopped. And he would play outside and he would run around and do all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and he would have the best time. He, he even on his own, like he, he could have a great time, like all by himself, like playing tag with himself. I don't know how that works, but, but, but he could do it. And so we would see Travis playing outside, having the best time. My mom would walk outside and, and, and see Travis running around, playing around, have a huge smile on his face. And, and, uh, but sometimes she would go outside and, and she would see him in the midst of playing. Like she would see his mouth moving, like he was chewing on something. And we didn't know what that was. We thought, oh, maybe he got a snack. Maybe he, he got a, a snack and, and, and so he's playing and he would stop and, and eat his snack. And, and so my mom would, would go outside, hey, hey, Travis, what, what, you know, what are you eating? What's in your mouth? And he would open his mouth and it was completely black. And it, it wasn't black because he was eating chocolate. Like he was eating the dirt and the worms out of our garden. And when I say dirt and worms, like I'm not talking about some cool figurative like ice cream that you get at your ice cream shop, okay? There, there's, there's something like that at the place we go to all the time. It's called dirt and worms and my kids get in and it reminds me all the time that my brother literally used to eat dirt and worms out of the garden in our front yard. And so you go outside and he would open his mouth and it would just be black from all the dirt and the worms that he had been eating out of the, the dirt outside. I mean, he looked great and like he was having the best time of his life on the outside, but inside of his mouth was dirt and dead worms. Looked good, he looked good, he thought he was having a good time, but on the inside of his mouth, he had dirt and worms, complete death, okay? And dirt, disgusting, okay? Now this is what a hypocrite is. Someone who looks like on the outside, they've got it all together and they're having a good time, but on the inside, they are filled with death and destruction. They put on a great show for everyone else, but on the inside, things are not as they should be. Things are not right. Let me ask you this. How many of you know a hypocrite? Just let me see your hand. And don't do like that, okay? Don't, don't point to the person next to you, uh, but, but you know a hypocrite. Okay, now let me ask you this. How many of you that raised your hands, you said you, you know a hypocrite, you've seen a hypocrite, like you, you know what that looks like. How many of you thought of yourself? Raise your hand. Okay, half of you, all right? It was about half, okay? So it's easy, and many of you know this to be true. It's true for me too. It's easy to point out other people who are hypocrites. It's a little bit harder to point to the hypocrisy in ourselves, in our own lives. Now, Jesus regularly called out 
hypocrisy. He hated it. He couldn't stomach hypocrisy. It made him sick. And there was this one group of people that he would call out over and over and over again for the hypocrisy in their lives. They were called the Pharisees. They were the spiritual kind of leaders of the day, the the religious rulers, the religious leaders. And Jesus could not stand the hypocrisy in this group of people that acted like they had it all together. They put on a great show, but Jesus would say on the inside, your heart's not right. You put on a great show, but on the inside, your heart is far from God. And I think some of the time, especially for us that have grown up in church, sometimes, The things that made Jesus sick in these religious Pharisees that would call out the sin in everyone else's life, but they would never address their own. I think sometimes some of the things that drove Jesus nuts about the Pharisees are also true in me. And maybe in you. And so let's find out. If you got a Bible, Matthew 23. Matthew chapter 23, this is one of the uh, many times that Jesus would call out the, the Pharisees and the hypocrisy in the Pharisees. So Matthew 23, starting in verse 27, Jesus said this, what sorrow awaits you. Some of your translations may say, woe to you. Woe to you. So what sorrow awaits you. And if you don't have a Bible, go to RaiderChurch.com and Click sermon notes and you can follow along with us. The verses are there. But Jesus said, what sorrow awaits you, you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees. You're hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, You look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. I know some of you are like, whoa, Jesus, like, dude, I thought you were like all about love and kindness, you know, and, and building people up and encouraging people and all that kind of, I mean, sometimes Jesus was a complete savage. Okay. I mean, when you read through the gospels, he was, and most of the time, That side of Jesus came out when he was around these religious people like the Pharisees who looked at everyone else and found the sin in everyone else's life, but they couldn't point to it in their own life. And Jesus would say, I don't care about all the outward stuff. I'm looking at your heart and your heart is far from me. You can, you can come in here and, and sing the songs and, and read the verses and, and, and you can walk through the motions of all of this. You can put on the show. You can do all the outward stuff that, that makes it look like you're spiritual and that you have a relationship with Jesus, but your heart can be far from God. God is looking past the show, past the outward appearance. He's looking straight into your heart. And so Jesus called the, the Pharisees hypocrites. He said, you think you're religious, but what sorrow awaits you? You're like a whitewashed tomb. Hypocrisy made Jesus sick. He couldn't stand it. 
And so here's what we're going to use as a definition for hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is the gap between what we show on the outside, like what we present to other people and who we actually are, like what's actually going on in our hearts. Hypocrisy is the gap between what we show on the outside, what we appear to have going on in our lives. There's, there's a gap when you're a hypocrite or when you're struggling with hypocrisy, there's a gap between what you show and what you present and who you actually are, what's actually going on in your heart. And many people in our country would say that this gap in Christians and in the church today is the reason they don't follow Jesus and the reason they can't stand the church. And some of you may be in that exact same spot. Like you're here tonight and you haven't been able to stand Christians or, or the church and, and you're not sure what to think about this whole Jesus thing because you've seen that gap between what Christians say they are and what they pretend to be and who they actually are and where their hearts actually at. And it's one of the reasons why Jesus can't stand hypocrisy because hypocrisy pushes people away from the kingdom of God faster than anything and the Greek word for hypocrisy comes from the idea in ancient Greek drama of an actor who would hold this oversized mask, painted mask over their face for the character they were portraying, for the character they were acting as. And so they would put this mask over their face and they would pretend to be someone other than themselves, And so the term hypocrite began to be applied metaphorically to a person who acts a part in real life, someone who pretends. That's where this word comes from. It comes from the idea of someone who would in drama wear a mask and pretend to be someone that they're not. And Paul would tell Titus in Titus chapter one, verse 16, he would say that we, Christians, can do the exact same thing. In fact, he would go on to say in Titus chapter 1 that there are those that claim to know God. They claim to be followers of Jesus, but by their actions, they deny that he even exists. In other words, Paul told Titus, there are some that will claim to be followers of Jesus, but they really aren't. They're pretending to be, they may think there's something that they're not, but they've been pretending for so long. They've been lying to themselves for so long. Maybe now they actually believe it. And so they claim something, but their lives, their heart doesn't match up. It doesn't back it up. And so he said, they may claim to know God, but by their actions, who they are away from this place will show whether they really are followers of Jesus or not, when there's a gap between what we show and who we believe ourselves to be and who we maybe are pretending to be and who we actually are, we're actually just denying with our actions that God even exists. We're pretending. Paul said many in the church are pretending to be something that they're not, they're actors. They're just wearing a mask. And in Matthew 23, Jesus would point out some of the ways that 
the Pharisees would do this. And so if you read the whole chapter, you can, you can see some of the ways that the Pharisees would do this, but I just want to point some of them out. In Matthew 23, Jesus shows us how we do this, how the Pharisees did this, and how in turn maybe we do this in our own lives. The first one in Matthew 23 is he said, the Pharisees were really concerned with their own position and with praise from man. Like they were too concerned, they were more concerned with their position and with their power and with the praise of man than they were with the kingdom of God. They were arrogant, Jesus said. They would boast about themselves. They, they constantly would talk about themselves. And Jesus said, those who exalt themselves, he was talking to the Pharisees, will be humbled. In other words, where sorrow awaits you. They were more concerned with their own power and position and title and praise from man than they were with the kingdom of God. Jesus would go on to say that they didn't care about those who didn't know who God was. In other words, they, they didn't care about the lost. They cared more about themselves and their own power and position than they did about those who were lost and their hypocrisy and the way that they lived and the way that they acted, Jesus couldn't stomach because it would actually push people further away from the kingdom of God rather than drawing them in. They didn't care about the lost. They cared more about themselves than they did about the lost. Jesus would say they cared more about greed, their own, their money. They were greedy and they cared more about money than they did the kingdom of God. He said they were self-indulgent and they cared more about pleasure than the kingdom of God. In other words, they were more concerned with their own comfort than they were with the kingdom of God. They were more concerned about their own money and pleasure and stuff than they were about those who didn't know the Lord entering into the kingdom. And Jesus say to the Pharisees, you're hypocrites because you have no mercy for other people. You yourselves, you're, you're sinners you, that you don't even recognize that and you have no mercy for other people. You're, you're quick to point to the sin in someone else's life, but not to the sin in your own life. And so Jesus said, you're hypocrites. You're like a whitewashed tomb. But what's interesting is here is that Jesus Often throughout the gospels, we would see that he would eat with and, and hang out with those who were known, reputable sinners. Jesus could hang with those guys. Jesus could hang with the people who said they, they knew they were sinners. They, they knew that they were far from God, but he could not stomach the Pharisees who acted like they had it all together, who put on this show. He could not Stomach it. And so Jesus said, woe to you, Pharisees. In other words, what sorrow awaits you? You're like a whitewashed tomb. Everything looks good on the outside, but on the inside, there is nothing but death. And so here's what you got to see tonight. You need to understand this is that you can appear alive on the outside, but in reality be dead on the inside. You can appear alive on the outside, but in reality be 
dead on the inside. And that's why Jesus said, what sorrow awaits you because when you're dead on the inside, Ephesians 2 says that we're dead in our sin. And when you're dead in your sin, what sorrow awaits you because when you stand before God one day, you won't hear enter into paradise. You'll hear, depart from me. I, I never knew you. And so, Jesus told the Pharisees, what sorrow awaits you? You're a whitewashed tomb. You may appear alive on the inside, but you're actually dead spiritually on the inside. You can go through all the motions you want to go through, but you're dead on the inside. And when you're dead in your sin, that doesn't mean heaven. It means eternity separated from God in a place called and listen, Jesus said in Matthew 7 that there will be people who believe that because maybe of the things they've done or because they've been to church or maybe because they got baptized or because they prayed or, or read the Bible, Jesus makes it clear in Matthew 7, there will be people who would say, Lord, didn't I do this? Look at all the things that I did. Look at this, look at that. Look at all the things that I did. And God will say, depart from me, I never knew you. There will be people who fully expect, Jesus said, to go to heaven and to be with God in eternity who will hear, depart from me, I never knew you. And that's a scary thought. It's why Paul says, test yourself, examine, see whether you're really in the faith or whether you're just pretending, you're just acting, you're fooling yourself into thinking you're something that you're not because you can do the show, you can go through the routine, but on the inside, you're really dead spiritually. And listen, I, I know this isn't like the happiest thought to think of. It's kind of a scary thought. It's a sobering thought that there will be people who fully expect to spend eternity in heaven that won't. But it's my job and my role to make sure that you know the truth. Because the truth will set you free. If we just continue to act like everything's okay, and by you coming here and then living completely different outside of here, that that's totally okay. If we just continue to go through the routine and, and act like that's totally okay, like you come here and you worship God, and then next week on spring break, you live completely different and act like you don't even know who God is, that's not okay. There's a problem there. There's a gap between who you say you are and who you actually are. Maybe you're pretending to be something that you're not. Jesus says in Matthew 7, there will be people who fully expect to be in heaven one day and they won't be. They will hear, depart from me. And so you might wonder, well, where, what, what hope do I have how can I close that gap? Or maybe you sense that some of this might be, might be true in your life. So what hope is there? 
Well, Proverbs 28, verse 13 says this, people who continue to conceal their sin will not prosper. In other words, what sorrow awaits you? People who continue to conceal their sin will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from their sin, they will receive mercy. That's what we've been talking about in this series, Catfish, pretending to be something that we're not. And if you're here tonight and you see a gap between who you've said you are and the, the show that you put on and who you actually are and the way that you live away from here, then quit concealing your sin. Confess your sin to God and turn from it. And the Bible says you will receive mercy. You see, here's what I want you to catch tonight. It's that Jesus has zero tolerance for the show. He has zero tolerance for hypocrisy, but he has unlimited grace for the sinner. He has unlimited grace for those who will drop the mask and confess their sin and say, God, I need your help. God, I've been doing this. I've been living like this and it doesn't match up to who I, I say that I am or what I do in, in this hour. And God, I need your help. Put down the mask. Stop pretending to be something that you're not. Confess your sin and turn from your sin and you will receive mercy. 1 John 1 says that if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and then to cleanse you from all that unrighteousness. And he can forgive you of your sin not by just sweeping it under the rug and not by just kind of forgetting it and acting like it didn't happen. The only way that God can forgive your sin is because his son, his one and only son, died on the cross to pay the fine that you owe for your sin. Jesus paid that fine. He paid it all, as the old hymn says. Jesus paid it all on the cross when he died for you in your place. Bible says that Jesus became sin. He who knew no sin became sin for you so that in Christ, you and I might receive the righteousness of God, a right standing with God. The only way that you can be forgiven of your sin, that God is able to forgive you of your sin is because Jesus came and died on the cross and paid the fine that you and I owe for your sin. And the Bible says when you trust in Jesus' payment of your fine through his death on the cross, you, you trust in him, you turn from your sin and you trust in Jesus, you're forgiven of your sin. And you're made right with God. He who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for you. So that in him, in Jesus, through him, through a relationship with him, your sin might be forgiven. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and then to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And some of you, you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time tonight. You need to stop pretending to be something that you're not. 
Your life away from here doesn't match up to what you do in this room. It might be because you've never really committed your life to Jesus. You've been putting on a good show. You've been pretending to be something that you're not. You've been claiming to be a follower of Jesus, but that's not who you really are. That's not what's in your heart. So some of you tonight need to give your life to Jesus. You need to turn from your sin and trust in Jesus' payment of your fine and confess your sin like Proverbs 28 says and receive the mercy and the forgiveness of God because of what Jesus has done for you. And so as a follower of Jesus, now how do we close that gap between what we show and who we really are? How do we close that gap? Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, he said, get rid of all hypocrisy in your life. How do we do that? How do we get rid of the hypocrisy in our life? How do we close that gap? Well, let me tell you how you don't do it. You don't do it by leaving and saying, I'm gonna try so much harder. I'm gonna do so much better. That's not how we do it. No, we need Jesus to come and to cleanse us. We don't clean ourselves up and then come to Jesus. We come to Jesus. We confess our sin. We come to Jesus. We receive mercy and forgiveness. And then Jesus helps us. He cleanses us and he helps us to turn from our sin. And he enables us to close that gap. And so as you worship Jesus and follow Jesus and love Jesus and serve Jesus and get into Christian community and you grow in that relationship with Jesus, he changes you from the inside out. And that gap closes each and every day. It gets closer and closer and closer until your life in this room is consistent with the life outside of this room. But it's only through Jesus that you can do that. In fact, Jesus said in verse 26, the verse that we, is just right before the verses that we read in 27 and 28. Matthew 23, verse 26, Jesus said, first clean the inside and then the outside will be clean. Clean the inside. Like you need a change of heart. And then on the overflow of what Jesus does in your heart, the outside will also be clean. So please don't leave from this place thinking, I'm gonna do better, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try harder. No, you come and you kneel before Jesus and you say, Jesus, I need your help, I need you. Come and clean the inside, come and change my heart so that from the inside out, that gap begins to close between who I say that I am and who I claim to be and who I show myself to be and who I really am. Jesus, help me, I need you. I confess my sin to you. I need your mercy. I need your help. And as you continue to pursue Jesus, and as you grow in a relationship with Jesus, that gap will begin to close. You know, as a pastor, it's really, real, real easy to wear a mask, to pretend to be something that you're not. There's a real pressure as a pastor to look like you have it all together and to act like you have it all together and to try to keep that show up so that people think you have it all together. There's a real temptation as a pastor to just play a role, 
to just play a part. And I know that. And so the things I tell you about being involved in Christian community, I, I do that where I'm confessing my sin and I'm praying with other people. And I continue daily to try to grow in my relationship with Jesus by spending time in God's word and spending time in worship and prayer on my own so that through my relationship with Jesus, that, that gap in my own life continues to, to close and, and to narrow. I try to share about struggles and things that I've struggled with in my past or even currently with you guys because I don't want to wear a mask and make it seem like that I have it all together because I don't. I mean, I dealt with something today in my family with my kids right before I came here that, that just totally rocked me. And I came here and I'm just asking and praying for God to give me help just to even get through tonight. This semester, I've battled with a lot of fear and anxiety. I hadn't in a while, but I came into the semester and it was like all of a sudden I felt all this pressure that I hadn't felt before about making this work and, and making sure like the success of Raider Church and like feeling like that was all on my shoulders and it was all about me and that was sinful. And because of that, I began to battle with a lot of fear and anxiety. And, and there's been many nights this semester where I haven't slept like all through the night. I, I toss and turn and I, I can't sleep because I'm battling with, with fear and anxiety. Some of you guys may not know this, but the city is in the middle of debating and even voting on what they're gonna do with this whole facility. And so this semester I've, I've struggled with fear on where are we gonna meet next semester and, and not knowing what we're going to do and where we're going to go. And, and, and Mark and I and others have been examining and researching and talking with different places and different people. And, and we have some options, but I've battled with a lot of fear this semester of not knowing like what's gonna happen with this place where we meet and, and where we're going to go. And, and if that will affect us or not. It's brought a lot of fear and anxiety into my life. I've battled with anxiety and even anger because of a relationship this semester that, that hasn't gone well and I've, I've felt betrayed in that relationship and that's brought a lot of anger in my life. And so I don't want you to think that I have it all together because I don't. But I'm thankful that we can come to God and, and confess our sin and our, our struggles and, and our anxiety and the things that are weighing us down. We can confess those to God. We can drop the mask and we can confess those to God and then ask for God to help us turn from our sin and we receive mercy from God. Jesus has zero tolerance for the show, but he has unlimited grace and mercy for the sinner. And so I wonder tonight, if some of you are in here tonight and you would say there's a gap between who you say that you are and who you actually are. 
maybe who you are in this room and who you are away from this room. And you would say tonight, man, I need Jesus' help to clean the inside. And then the outside will also be clean. I need Jesus' help to narrow that gap. If that's you, I just wanna invite you to be brave and stand up. I wanna pray for you. If you would say, yeah, that's me. There's a gap between who I've said that I am and who I actually am, what's actually going on in my life. Thank you for being real and honest. The Bible says when you drop the mask and you'll confess your sin, that you will receive mercy and forgiveness. And Jesus will begin to do a work in your heart that will help you clean the outside as well. And so Jesus, right now, I pray in this moment for every person standing, God, that you would in this moment, God, and tonight, and even as we sing here in just a second, would you do a work in their heart? Would you clean the inside of their heart, God, so that then out of the overflow, the outside will be clean as well. And Jesus, I pray that you would help them this week as they seek you and as they grow in a relationship with you, God, would you narrow that gap? Would you close that gap between who they say that they are and who they claim to be and what they do in this room and what they do away from this room. So God, would you give them the strength? Thank you for their boldness and their courage to stand and say, yes, God, that's me. I need your help. There's a gap. There's a gap of hypocrisy in my life and I need your help to narrow that gap, to get rid of that gap. And so in Jesus' name, God, would you give them the strength this week to get rid of that gap? And now let's all stand. Our band's gonna lead us. We're gonna sing some more songs together. And as we do, I just wanna close with this. Psalm 130 says, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sin, who could stand? But with you, God, there is forgiveness. And so put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. And so if you're here tonight and you would say, I've been a hypocrite, there's been a gap between who I've said that I am and the show that I put on and who I am in this room versus who I am away from this room. If you say, that's me, there's a gap. I want you to know in the Lord, there is unfailing love and full redemption. So put your hope in the Lord because he doesn't keep a record of wrong. He doesn't keep a record of your stand. There is forgiveness in God when you confess your sin. There is mercy in the words of the old hymn. What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's no other fount I know that makes me white as snow. Nothing but the blood of Jesus.